Hey there, bad girl, looking for something else. Hey there, bad boy, looking for something else. Come into the lounge, come into the wiki, come and stick around, come and tell it to me, Bobcast. Come in the Bobcast. Bobcast. Come in the Bobcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Tonight's guest I met, I guess, a decade or so ago, and uh, I had the extreme privilege of, like, moonlighting as a agent in Hollywood. Yes, this was a job that I had. So, I mean, like, you know, as a kid, you're always thinking to yourself, man, I, I really want to break into the industry. You know what I mean? I love film. Like, I grew up in the 80s and 90s when, like, you know, film was, like, really something special. So um, through mutual friends um, of my brother, tonight's guest gave me an opportunity to, to start making cold calls in the, in the film industry. I am, uh, I've never talked about it on the show, but one time I did get a, a casting for the, the Hunger Games before the Hunger Games even came out. So that's the introduction. Like tonight, he, he's an actor. He's a, a philanthropist. He's a, a good son from what I see on social media. I've only met him once in real life, but here we are now on Zoom in the year 2021. With that being said, please welcome Lionel Goldsby. How are you, LG? I'm good. How are you? I'm good now that you're here, bud. I, I, uh, so I have a marker on when we met. When are was that? Ready? Yes, I'm ready. Uh, we met April of 2011. That's when right. we contacted each other because your last name, I knew that you wrote scripts. And so I was referred to someone. And uh, so I did this little internet research and your last name, I think was similar to someone who wrote the script for another earth. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this a person? And that just seared into my brain. So I used that yeah. <laughs> as a marker on when we first made contact. That's 10 years ago, almost. We're recording this now in April. It's crazy. Um, it is 10 years ago this month. You don't look like you changed. In fact, you look like you got younger. Thank you. The blood of my enemies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, it was a great gig, like, uh, you know, doing that job and cold, you know, calling. I spoke to some really great casting directors, you know, and um, it was just fun just because, I mean, I've always loved film, but... You know, I guess the first question I have for you this evening is what was the the one that stood out to you as a kid that just like it just got you, man? Like you just couldn't stop and you were affected by it because I know you got one at the top of your list. That's like the the go to. Yeah. You know, uh, Back to the Future is the one where I saw the movie in the theater. I live I grew up on a farm and we lived 15 minutes outside of a town. The whole county is twenty five hundred. So we had one convenience store, one video game when I was growing up. So we had to drive 80 miles to a movie theater or three hours to Albuquerque, New Mexico, where we could have like multiple choices. And this summer, we went to go see Back to the Future in Albuquerque, which was a treat unto itself. But I just remember the audience was cheering. And I remember the hairs on my arms were just standing straight up the entire movie. 
I couldn't believe it just kept getting better and better. <laughs> it's the movie that just like ignited everything for me. Yeah, what were you gonna yeah, say? I, I, I wasn't gonna say anything. I was just like reacting towards it because I too feel the same way when I saw it. I, I don't, I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it on HBO. And I also felt that way too. Like, how is the script just get, I mean, like, you know, at the time I'm a kid, I don't think it's a script. I don't think it's a movie. I think it's real, you know? <laughs> I think I was like seven or so, you know? And uh, it just plays out so well where every single act or something that's happening that's like not something that you'd seen before in film. And the way they use music in that uh, just still blew me away. And just the very beginning, before I think any words are said, Marty plays his guitar and then blows the speakers out. Yeah. And, and uh, I've just, until Pulp Fiction, I never had a movie move me with music in that way. Yeah. It, there's something to be said about all the, I mean, like that theme song, that that general, you know, melody of chords is just so special, you know? There's not one to, I mean, like I, the scene that gets me all the time is at the end of the Enchantment of the Sea Dance and Marty is in the you know in the stairwell and he turns to them and he's like one more thing you know and like, it's just like the best moment and the music and everything it's just such a perfect film uh, that is a really good impression yeah i've i so i've i've i think you're episode 297 or 298 or something but like we've talked about it here on my show for years just how great it is how much of a deep dive and how fun it is to live in that world you know, I'm also happy that they never made Back to the Future 4 because, you know, I mean, like, I, I recently, I revisited 3, and 3 is, like, not how I recall. As a child, I think it's, like, almost too mature. Like, I like I was a kid when I saw it, but now as an adult, the Wild Wild West, like, you know, like, the first time you see that version of Biff, he hogties Michael J. Fox and just pulls him through the dirt in a very violent manner because if you recall before, I mean, Biff swung in Back to the Future 2 and never really touched Marty, right? I mean, gripped him up, but <laughs> I've thought about these things a lot. But Christopher Lloyd, I just listened to a podcast with uh, Mark Marin, and uh, Mark just brushes over Back to the Future, by the way, which is totally Mark, but whatever. Um, and like Christopher Lloyd's, you know, um, gratitude towards the role really blew me away. He, he was like, no, I love when they come up. I love when they come up. And it's just cool, you know, it's like, you don't, I don't see films like that now in, in, our, in the industry, you know, it's like, what's the last film that came out that's in that type of genre that has moved you, you know what I mean? And right. not like, I, you know, that was a time and a place where that happened. And we went to, we went to the pictures, we went to yeah. the movies to see we things went to the movies. collectively. We didn't have access. So you had to work to go there. You had to stand in a line that sometimes went around. It was playing on one screen at a time or just not that many where now something opens and it's playing six screens at a 12 screen theater. So you had to work for it. You had to find out what times were. You had to look up the newspaper or call and listen to the recording before they had that. There was work involved before just turning it on and scrolling. And there's a collective excitement whenever people got to ex- experience that at the same time. Yeah, that the commune experience, you know, like people being yeah. like all on the same page. The last time I felt that was definitely uh, opening night of Endgame. 
spoilers, you know, whatever. It's the Bobcast. I could do it. But the ending, I, I watched that a couple nights ago, too, as well. I mean, the, that last sequence must have taken so long to film. You know what I mean? But, like, the, there's a couple moments, like, uh, that are, I guess, you know, up there with Back to the Future. One, in, like, when Peter, you know, sees Tony for the first time, like, since being away for five years. And, like, you know, it's nothing to Peter because it was like, I would love to see that, too, by the way. If they ever have the chance to show where Doctor Strange took them, like just for a little bit. But that moment, though, where, uh, you know, Tony gives him a hug, it's so emotional. You know what I mean? Like, especially if you've got father issues, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, right there on the money. But I love the fact so much, LG, that the shit that we grew up on, not only like did it come into like, you know, mainstream pop culture, but it took over everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, the stuff that like I had in my backpack where I would like take it out and people like, what's that a comic book? You know, like is making billions of dollars. It, I, it's, I, I find it just, we're never going to get old. We're just going to keep growing with the stories that made us feel something special as a kid. Right. Uh, there were several, you mentioned what movies did I watch that uh, there were several I watched on HBO again, growing up on a farm, we couldn't get television. So I would go to my, wealthy family in Lubbock, Texas, and they had cable. And so they had HBO. And so every summer I got to just sit in front of the TV. And this is when HBO would play things four times a day. Yeah. Four times a day. Superman, four times a day. (laughs) That was me. So uh, that summer it was Grease 2 Mm -hmm. and uh, Swamp Thing. Oh, dude, Swamp Thing. And I watched Swamp Thing so many times. Me too. I was obsessed. And even though there was nudity, but it was PG. And I just couldn't believe this was a superhero. And, uh, you know, it, I watched it again about two years ago. And I have to forgive a lot of the production about it because it does remind me of the excitement I felt. I did watch it at least 20 times that summer. And there was something forgiving because this is something, this was based on a comic book. I didn't know the comic book at the time, but it was based on a comic book. So you Mm. had to love it. And like you, I used to take comic books to school, but there was no one at school except Doug Gaskin, who now and then know something about a comic book character. And so I'd run up to him to try to explain what was going on in this issue of a comic book and hope that he was interested so we could talk about it for a minute. And now you can go into any store <laughs> and find the Hulk. At the cashier. Yes, everywhere. There's Pez everywhere. So my um, obsession with Swamp Thing, I, I saw on HBO too as well. And I couldn't believe that it was PG. I mean, like right off the bat, there's like quite a bit of violence, machine guns. I think there's even like, I, I I just love the film very much, but I mean, like I recently rewatched it too as well. And one of the things that really took me, man, <laughs> is that his suit is like a bunch of trash bags. You know what I mean? And you yep. could see like the liner of like his mold, like in the suit. And it's like, as a kid, of course, I never cared. And I got to be quite honest. I even was on board for Swamp Thing too with Heather Heather Locklear and Dick Durdock, I think his name was or something like that, right? Like, what was his name? I don't remember his name. I just remember Heather Locklear and she's on the cover wearing yeah. a nightgown and she's campily screaming. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, like the, uh, my, I'm not really sure if that came out in theaters. Did it? It did not. It was direct to DVD. That's right. So, I mean, like, I remember seeing the cover and just being like, oh, they, they went with that tone. Okay. Like, 
completely different. And, you know, I never got a chance to check out the one that was on, um, was that the CW the Swamp Thing was on or was it DC Universe? It started off as DC and it, they put a lot of money into it and it was shooting in Atlanta. And I think it was going to be 13 issues and then uh, 13 episodes and mm-hmm. then episode eight, they shut down. And they, and they said, okay, we're going to wrap this up in one more episode. We're cutting down the order because something happened with the budget. Mm. And then it aired on uh, the DC app. And then it moved to CW during the pandemic. They needed something. And it did really, really well in ratings. But they canceled it, what, three years ago? Wow. Wow. It is actually worth watching. They pull in a lot of uh, comic book heroes a lot of really obscure comic book heroes. How do they treat the Swamp Thing though? Do they do, um, do you hear his inner uh, voice? No. That would be the way to do it though. You know what that I mean? The Alan Moore stuff? That, that, yes. No, they don't, but the, do you know who Dan Cassidy is? Yes. They bring Dan Cassidy in. Oh, wow. So, I, it's on HBO Max, I imagine, right? Yes, I think I'll have it to is. check it out. I got, I got to say, I mean, I haven't really had a chance to talk to anybody yet on the show who's, uh, you know, a big fan of the, the DC Universe. And I, I was just shocked at how much I liked the Zack Snyder cut. I I, I watched it all until like, I, I, I think I watched three hours and like, you know, 10 minutes or something before I was like, I got to I gotta go to bed. Like, I'm going to miss something, you know, like, but I woke up the next morning at like six to finish it. And like, it is such a story to tell, man, that that film, you know, exists. And now you see like what Hollywood does, you know, to morph a product into what they want. There was an interview today in Variety Magazine. One of the screenwriters, Chris Terrio, I think that's his name. Yeah, he wrote Gangster Squad, I think, right? And Argo. Yes. Yeah. He helped write both of these. Yeah. Uh, Batman, Batman versus Superman. Superman. Mm-hmm. And I guess he kind, he kind of, he very much let out his opinion on how Warner Brothers just um, got involved a little too much. Crazy, right? I mean, like, the thing that really blows me away, too, from a cinematic point of view and from a budget point of view, why, like, refilm, like, sequences that already existed? And you know what I mean? Like, what? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, there's so many parts of that film where I'm just like, because I watched... The Snyder Cut, and then like I revisited the the Whedon version, and and like you know, first off, Aquaman's a totally different person, you know. Aquaman's like from Point Break, but Aquaman and Snyder is like very troubled. You know what I mean? He's not fun at all, really. To be honest, I mean he has like what one joke when he like makes that face at the Flash. Yep. But the Flash too. I mean, dude, Barry Allen's story. And this cut is more realistic to the comics. And I felt like he was more in tune with what I read as a kid, because in the, the Whedon version, like he, he does what do we, what do we do here? And Batman's like, save a lot. You know what I mean? It's like, what, this is what you guys wrote. You got together and you wrote this. You had all these books, how many years of Superman, you know, 80 plus. And that's what you come up with. It's interesting because I have not revisited the 2017 version, but I'm mm-hmm. going, I, it's interesting now to look to say, okay, which version do you like? Do you like Flash coming into a hero and having to be coached to go save people? Or do you like it where it's the four hour 
Zack Snyder version. I really like the Zack Snyder version quite a bit. And he, I never enjoy the conversations of, well, who's your favorite Flash? I look at this Flash as more of a Wally West than Barry. Yeah, I could see that Flash. totally. Yeah. It's just his, that to me, it's just his youth because I grew up where Barry Allen was a certain age and mm-hmm. it just gets ingrained. But can you call him Barry in this? Absolutely. I bought it for every second. I enjoyed seeing someone new to the hero world. Just like yeah. Cyborg. I thought it was a, a, yeah. Cyborg story, man. That's 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 like so dicey too. Cause it's like, they, they took away like an important part of like the character's identity. You know what I mean? And like, I mean, there's parts in the in the Whedon uh, movie that like, you know, kind of allude to what, you know, Zach was going for, but like, you know, the scene where um, Cyborg is uh, in Germany with the Nazis, you know what I mean? Like that was like, that was, I was like, whoa, like that's what that was because I remember seeing that in the trailer. Dude, how about that too? Imagine you like you're Zack Snyder and you see the movie trailer and like your scenes are in there and then, well, he says he never saw it. I wish there was like a, like a live show of him watching it. I would pay to see that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Did you, so during the pandemic, uh, Zack Snyder had a watch party and it was on Zoom. So the camera was on him in his home theater. Mm-hmm. And there's like 12 seats behind him and he's watching it on the big screen. And he says, okay, press play now and we're going to watch it. And he just talks and does commentary throughout. So Man of Steel, he did commentary throughout. And then he did uh, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and he did commentary throughout. And then at the end of that, he had people taking questions and then Henry came on as a special guest. And then somebody said, well, what about the Snyder Cut? And there was a big collective gasp because you know this didn't exist for a long time. And then he's like, yeah, there's a Snyder Cut. We're going to release it next year. And so I was watching all that live. So whenever he said, I'd love to watch him watch something, it was so much fun if you didn't see those maybe it's no i saw i saw that they were i had to it's like bedtime right when he was doing it too and i was like i'm never going to be able to focus you know what i mean like i did watch uh the youtube clips of it and i saw when henry came on also too with like henry cavill like you know i like man still very much you know i liked it when i saw it in the theater minus the kevin costner scene because you know who's going to do that you know what i mean like there's a thousand different things you could have said happened. You know what I mean? Superman also can move so fast that he can't even be seen. And technically Superman could like really just blow that tornado away, but whatever. That's the way they chose to go out. I personally prefer the movie version where he grabs his arm and he looks at Clark, young Clark, which is dubbed over by Christopher Reeve for the super fans out there. I just feel like Henry Cavill though, got the short end of the stick this time, like this whole decade, you know, being Superman, you know what I mean? Like, Man of Steel is a great film. Batman vs Superman. I don't recognize him at all. Superman in that film, no matter what, I can't change my opinion. And then, like you know, Snyder cut. Like he comes back at the end, and it's it's great. But like, you know, like where's the like he just battles Zod and that's it. You know what I mean? Like I just think it was a bad move, writing wise, to kill Superman at that point. I would have waited to like I would have had Doomsday at the end of the Snyder cut, and had. Dark side, dark side, bring like dooms or like it could have just been dark side that did it. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it was rushed. The doomsday thing. It made no sense at the end of that film. What's your thoughts on that? I think uh, that there is going to be three Justice League movies to give Superman his due. 
and I think we had to see him die. And then there was a plan. I do think there was a plan. And that's what I think mm -hmm. uh, some DC movies or properties, there's not exactly a plan. And uh, yeah, I can absolutely get on board with Superman having a different ending on Batman versus Superman. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I did not think this, but I remember and it stuck with me that Superman is an immigrant from yep. another place. And he comes to Earth. He could rule it if he wanted to, but he wants to help. And what does he do? He makes himself a human that passes as human and a reporter so he can report on justice or he can find things that can make the world a little better. And that's how we get to know Superman is through who Clark is. Mm -hmm. And are you watching Superman and Lois? I watched the first two. My, my, my viewing game has decreased significantly since hitting 40. My son's five. I can't stay awake no more, LG. It's really sad and it, it creeps me. Like now I'm watching stuff at like six, seven in the morning. Like I feel like I'm like Kevin Smith or something like that. You know what I mean? Minus like smoking weed that early, but um, he gets I'm baked. Right I, I'm right there with you with uh, the time, but I was so surprised how much I enjoy Superman and Lois. I enjoy... Mm -hmm. Clark Kent. And so whenever there's Superman parts or a villain, I'm almost disappointed because I want to go back to this hero who's got to be human to teach his kids. Yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting stories that can be uh, told. Yes. It's an interesting perspective for them to include the two children, you know, right. You know, it was good because it separates, you know, Lois and Clark, you know, all the other films and stuff like that. I also, I mean, like, I just like Superman in general. I mean, like, I'm excited that Michael B. Jordan's going to um, appear. I think, is he is he writing it? No, he's doing... J.J. Um, Abrams with another screenwriter is going to do The Black Superman, which I think is great. You know what I mean? Like, why not? I loved Steel as a kid. I think that movie was not fun at all. In the books, I, for, I think his name's... Uh, I can't remember the artist's name, but the way he depicted Steel was just... a fan, It was a fantastic story. I've watched the cartoon. Eh, it doesn't do it for me. I want to see a live action one. Well, is it going to be steel or is it going to be the alternate Earth Superman that Grant Morrison? I mean, I, I'll i take whatever, you know. Grant Morrison's Superman, I would love to see. I would love to see the Clark Kent, that, like, you know, the explanation of, like, you know, why does nobody know it's Clark Kent? Well, he's an alien. He could morph his body into being slightly more chubbier and, like, uh, aloof. And, like, I loved that when I read it. I, I couldn't stop thinking about it after... I put down the book. It was more, I was more fascinated with the part where like Clark just like morphs into that. And he's like walking down the office, just messing everything up. So cool. You know, Grant Morrison did a uh, alternate multiverse and there was a Superman, African-American Superman on one of those worlds. And then earth Two comic book what, 10 years ago, within the last 10 years, they introduced a new Superman just out of whole cloth, a Superman type character that people started looking at Superman because his powers were similar. And that was a brand new character created just for that. That's pretty cool. I, I, I enjoyed um, Jim Lee's run. The Superman Unchained was pretty cool. There was one book a few years back where Superman just decided to walk across America. I really liked that one because it wasn't like beat the bad guy, the, you know. J. Michael Straczynski and it was yeah. grounded. Grounded, yeah. And I liked the way like that, that idea and i think that you know like that's the stuff i'd like to see in the film 
And I think Henry Cavill could really do a good job with that because I was a huge fan of the Tudors back in the early thousands. He was the Duke of Suffolk, you know what I mean? And like, he just had such tremendous range, you know what I mean? And he was like a supporting character and, you know, he gets his due in Man of Steel, but I mean, I just want to see more of him. And I don't know if that's a possibility right now because he didn't appear in Shazam at the end. And like, they keep saying he is, he isn't. What do you think is going on with that? I think they're still trying to figure it out. I think Zack Snyder releasing that on HBO Max, I think uh, I think it got a lot of views. And I think uh, they're just looking at numbers. And this mm-hmm. is entirely a numbers game on where they can put something at theaters or if it's going to make money streaming. But I think it's going to open up a lot. The New Gods. Yeah, uh, got canceled. Canceled. And, you know, was that because Darkseid was in this version? I don't know. Totally was. Yeah. And then another film got canceled too as well, right? Wasn't it? Um... Uh, the Trench, which yeah. is an Aquaman spinoff, but it's... It was from the New 52. Yeah. And to me, that's just, you're going to make a Jaws type movie with piranhas in an Aquaman superhero world, and it's going to be horror? Why not? That sounds fantastic. Wasn't um, the director um, who did Saul and... Um... James Wan. Yeah, he was going to do it, right? Yes. Yeah, that'd been awesome. He did, he did Aquaman. Aquaman too, like, uh, you know, he fits, I guess, like, this Snyder Cut fits more into the beginning. I, I also read that, you know, I wonder what, like, Gal, Gal was upset because she she felt like her character was uneven in the Whedon universe because of, like, you know, the film that was about to come out. What, what did you think of uh, 1984? I was really disappointed. It's crazy, right? Like, uh, I, I don't mean, like dogging a movie. I don't want I, to either, but like, like, what's that? Like, let me ask you this from this point of view, not dogging. Well, like, you know, like the idea of wish fulfillment. Like, has there ever been a superhero film where that was the bad guy? You know, like, it, that was such, you know, Cheetah is a great character. She should have been the main focus. And Krista Wiggs, a fantastic actress. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. It was, uh, it, I, my mind as I'm watching starts going down the rabbit hole of wish fulfillment and what does that mean? And can you, un- and it wasn't fun. No, <laughs> it, it wasn't. wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't fun. Um, yeah, and I loved the character and I enjoyed the movie and there mm-hmm. were parts of it that was wonderful but it just didn't, this is a movie we watched during a pandemic. Yes, yes, and we needed it. Yes, at Christmas time, and there was, she's a symbol of hope, mm-hmm. and I just, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of Wonder Woman. There was a, there was not a whole lot of Wonder Woman in this movie. No, no, it, it suffers the, you know, the, the superhero writer's curse. The film's about the bad guys, has nothing to do with the character you grew up loving, you know? Um, I do like Pedro Pascal's performance in it, though, now that I've become familiar with it, because there's a couple parts where he just goes completely nuts, you know? Like, he's out there. <laughs> Did you read the um, Maxwell Lord where he took possession of Superman? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. That is such a good story. And Wonder Woman has a very pivotal role in it. Mm-hmm. Because if Superman gets mind controlled, she was the only person yeah. who could step in 
and go toe to toe with him. And so you know, you can't bring Superman into a Wonder Woman movie, but they had Maxwell Lord beefed up in a different way that I was for. So I set my expectations differently mm-hmm. than a wish stone. Yeah. Whoops. You want to wish I take it. It was just crazy. I mean, it, I watched it though and I enjoyed it. And, you know, I was as happy it existed. And it also had been like, they didn't they film it like five years ago? Like it, it was filmed a long time ago. It was, it was supposed to come out two years ago, two years ago this summer. Mm-hmm. And before the release date, they pushed it back so she could keep getting it ready. And then the pandemic and it got pushed even more. So you're no stranger to the movie set. I mean, you've been on several different shows. By the way, your performance in that hallway in Longmire, I'll never forget. The first time I saw it, I was like, dude, he is, he's, he's unraveled coming down that. <laughs> you really like did it. It didn't look like you at all. Uh, you've been in The Eye, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Art of Deception. Of all your, um, you know, IMDb credits, which one means the most to you? The one I learned a lot on was Longmire because Katie Sackoff from Battlestar Galactica. Mm -hmm. She went from Battlestar Galactica to Longmire and I got to meet her. I was really nervous, but I had not been on set in the way I was on set in this one. Mm -hmm. So Longmire is a show that they don't shoot like other shows. They go very, very quickly. The setups are really fast. Sometimes the joke is hurry up and wait. So while they set up cameras and everything on most TV shows, it takes a while. Longmire, they're sprinting throughout the day. There's a note in your trailer that says, welcome to Longmire. We're glad you're here. We move quickly and we don't allow any scripts on set. So we're just going to know that you know your lines and you're ready. That's fantastic experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a scene, I'm talking to Peter Weller who directed the episode and you know, he was Robocop mm-hmm. and he cusses like a sailor every sec, just like profanity, mm-hmm. but he says it with love. He's really a nice man. Well, he's doing his scene and I'm talking to him. I didn't understand. I need to be standing right next to the camera for his eyeline. I had never been told that or experienced it on set. Katie Sackhoff is behind me, pushing me, go up there, go up there, go up there she did me a favor and thank goodness because again they're moving so quickly we shot the scene and then she's like i'm so sorry for pushing you i'm so sorry i just didn't know if you knew i'm like oh my god thank you that never happens on set that i've experienced someone of her caliber helping another person out but she's also that's what the set was let's get this done great and quickly how many scenes how many scenes could longmire film in a day I don't know. I know like a lot. Yeah, there was a special effect because a rifle went off. I think I was off on and on set within two hours. And they did at least eight scenes. Wow. That's Uh, quite a bit. Shots. Yeah. And with the special effects. That is really, really fast. Yeah, it's crazy fast. Um, Yeah, that's very interesting. As, like no scripts on set just let's do it you know what i mean like so you like yeah waiting is just the worst i think um that's it's got to be like the, the most difficult part of the artistic process when you're on set that you have to wait because you're you're geared up and you're ready to go as an actor mm-hmm. uh 
when I did Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that was the first Monday after Christmas and after New Year's. And so everyone was really well rested and I was on the first day back. So everyone was excited um, and Marvel executives were showing up that day and everybody was a little nervous when they showed up and I didn't know what was going on. You know, why are they going to tell me anything? But you could just sense at some point in the day, everybody just got different. And because the big Marvel Studios executives were on set. This was during season two. And I can't think of the lead actress's name on Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, the female lead. Take your time. Oh, uh, Ming, Ming Na. Oh my gosh. She was yes. so incredible. And I had to hold a scalpel near her eyeball because I'm doing surgery. I remember, yeah. <laughs> and I'm naturally a nervous person. And before anything, she grabbed my arm and she said, I totally trust you. Don't worry about this. We got it. And that was, again, in my experience, that didn't happen a whole lot. She just could tell I was nervous and she let me know that we're on the same team. And also I'm holding a very sharp scalpel near her eyeball. She wasn't worried at all. That's what I needed. And so there's sometimes people like Katie, like Mingna, who can tell, hey, this guy's a little nervous. I'm going to go help. Yeah, that's all you could ask for. It is. That's a really giving moment. Mm -hmm. I always thought that your uh, character on Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, could have a continuation. You could just pop up in the Marvel Universe at any time, just like uh, in WandaVision. We we didn't expect to um, have Cat back. You know what I mean? Like that just kind of came out of nowhere. What if they called you? Wouldn't that be the best day ever? It would. I why not why not yeah let's let's will it into existence right now let's match with that vibration get marvel executives to call you back because they want to bring you into the fold yeah yeah i mean i was super stoked for you i remember uh watching it live i just love marvel what they're doing i mean i love um the falcon and the winter soldier i love wandavision I wish that WandaVision all came at once because it, I think it would have played out better. if you, I would have binged that throughout the night because the mystery was just so great, you know? They were going to release, the creator wanted to release the first three episodes all mm-hmm. at the same time. Did you know this? I didn't, no. He wanted to release them all at the same time to get people to understand where it was headed. But yeah. the finale would not have been finished in time and they would have had to have missed a week. Mm. So I wound up just doing week to week. I was on board every moment. I'm one of those people that went down the, oh, I'm going to text all these theories to all my friends because it's fun. None of my theories turned out to be anywhere near what happened. I enjoyed the ride. Yeah. My, I I, what, where, did, where did you think, who did you think the, the main antagonist was of the show? I thought it was going to be Mephisto. Mm-hmm. I was did, I was going to swear it was Mephisto. I was on uh, many different chat rooms and clubhouse talking about that. I thought it was nightmare, and this was all just one nightmare and Doctor Strange. You know what I mean? Like because we knew that she was going into that film, but I always wanted to see Nightmare on film. I loved Nightmare versus the Hulk, like Doctor Strange, the Hulk, and Nightmare. That's a movie right there, man. You know, dealing with the Hulk's inner psyche i miss you know i'm a huge hulk fan you know hulk batman marvel dc i don't really care for the hulk in this 
I mean, I know who the Hulk is in this Marvel universe, but he's not really the Hulk that I grew up with. You know, it's like the Professor Hulk. Okay, cool. But like, where do we go now? You know what I mean? Like what happens? Bring in Joe Fix It. That's what I want. Big time. I want a Joe Fix It TV show. Uh, Brian Azzarello wrote, I think, uh, four issue or six issues of the Hulk. Did you read that? Yeah. Yeah. And- it was like, uh, with the cool covers, right? The painted yes. covers. Yeah. And Bruce Banner was just tortured and he kept trying to kill himself. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so, so, so distorted, but like such a great story. And like the way that they depicted the monster in that, like that's never, you know, like the Hulk was like scary in that, you know, like, and I've never been scared of the Hulk, you know, at all. I mean, like what with the Hulk, Eric Banner's Hulk versus the dogs, Mark Ruffalo. And, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I see the Hulk as Mark Ruffalo now. I don't see him as the incredible Hulk, you know? And it's like, I almost wish that the Hulk didn't become CGI because I love Lou Ferrigno, but I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? There, um, Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness was supposed to be out, I think, this month? Mm-hmm. Originally, before the pandemic. So WandaVision showing, and then slide right into Doctor Strange 2, which has her as a large pivotal role she's got yeah she's got to be the main she's got to be the bad guy right because you know spoiler she's out there training in that shed classic you know what that remind me of too is um eric norton they end the the hawk film that way too let's go to the shed you know but see i like norton i really did like norton a lot i love the first act of the um incredible hulk i love it i think it's great uh, I love the factory stuff. It's very, you know, Bill Bixby, but then it just, I don't know what happened. You know, it's like interference, I guess. But I do trust that Marvel knows, you know, how to, to take that character into the She-Hulk TV show, which I'm very excited about. Kevin Figge is, uh, you know, I love that he exists. Mm-hmm. has the power he does to steer movies and now television. So it's all connected in a way that we get excited. You mentioned, and I agree, you think Scarlet Witch is going to be a villain? Yeah. I do too. It's very easy, but I mean, like, it also too could be, she's just she's just been gearing up towards this for a long time. She's been very angry, you know? I mean, she technically has Vision back, but I mean, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how that played out. By the way, I love that scene. When Vision shows him and then his eyes become normal, I was like, yes, dude, this is so cool. I love when they hit those like Marvel notes, you know what I mean? Like that Stan Lee bullpen type writing. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is interesting too because it's like they're doing something with those characters that's it's they're they're really like the Im- improv between the two actors, Sebastian and Anthony. I think it's just wonderful because you you can tell when they're not acting and it's awesome. You know that one scene I'm talking about. Were they going back and forth about how much they they get irritated by each other? Is that so in good. the office? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 They they obviously get along in real life as well, and that yeah. shows. And that's uh, again that didn't happen often. So I'm glad that they're capitalizing it. And whenever you say that's uh, Stan Lee, Stan Lee was really ahead of his time with um, social justice. Yeah, the Black and Panther. Yes. I mean, like he 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 definitely believed that equality for all, you know, and like, you know, there's many characters in the Marvel, you know, universe that, you know, we saw Luke Cage, 
and I, I just think that you know in general like that message really resonated in my life because like i just i can't stand for racism it's just you know it's i just don't get how that's a part of our life you know like hating on some somebody because they look different it's like i like looking at people who are different it's kind of neat you know what i mean like I like looking at different Marvel characters and DC characters. Why? Like if it was every single character was Superman or, you know, Spider-Man or whatever, it wouldn't be the same. Mm -hmm. That's how you defeat racism. Just, you know, read Stanley. I'm sure he had his own problems too as a man, but I mean, like his message, you know, will never be forgotten, you know, to the true believers out there. I, I was just lucky to be in his presence once, you know. How was that? That's pretty cool. I asked him a question. And uh, um, I was in uh, the Philadelphia Civic Conference Center and it was uh, Wizard World. And Stan was there and Stan was going to answer some questions. <laughs> so I get up and I'm trying to think of like, a question that like not everybody asks, you know. And what did I say? I said, um, you know, I've always been fascinated by the character um, Bruce Banner. But one thing that I thought was always quintessential to his story was his best friend, Rick Jones. And like, uh, no, I said his um, a secondary character like Rick Jones. And I made, as I said, secondary character, I realized I had messed up in Stan's eye. Stan gets on the mic. He's like, first off, first off, kid, I don't write no secondary characters. And then he went into like, I couldn't remember because like he had sunned me in front of everybody, but I really enjoyed it. And then start talking to me about how Rick Jones was one of the only characters that didn't have, you know, the Bruce Banner, BB, Reed Richards, RR. Like Stan used that so he could remember like who the characters were, but he mentioned something. But I always like Rick Jones from the cartoon, man, with the cowboy hat playing the harmonica. That was my Rick. I forgot about that. It's not on um, Disney Plus because Universal still owns parts of that. I have um, a zip drive I can send you that's on one of my hard drives. I have like, I have like the original like pitch package of the Incredible Hulk for the cartoon TV show with like some like decals and stuff like that, that they were trying to like, you know, impress the people talks about how they had to use red pants because purple just wouldn't work against the color palette they were using. <laughs> and I love it, man. I always love the red pants on them too. I just found bigotry and it's, this is what Stanley wrote in his soapbox in 1968. Mm-hmm. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costumed supervillains, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. The only way to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them for the insidious evils they really are. 1968. Yeah, and that's, that's Stan's legacy. That definitely is creating this, this multiverse of characters. You know, that march in Charlottesville in 2017 mm -hmm. with the Stanley came out and reminded people then what he said. And now you look at, uh, you know, look at Miles Morales. Yeah, Miles you, is awesome. You have a new group of kids that there's some kid and Miles Morales is their first Spider-Man. Yeah, and I, I think that, that that's probably my favorite Marvel film is that, that cartoon Into the Spider-Verse. I've watched it so many times with my son. I love the way it looks. I think it's super cool. And it just takes some some liberties there at the end, you know, with Aunt May in the shed and stuff like that. I loved it. I was like, this is great. You know what I mean? Like, 
I, uh, I'm covered in goosebumps like Back to the Future. Yeah. There, do you remember the scene at the very end? No, near the three quarters of the way through where he is stuck to the uh, outside glass and he's scared and he's going to take a leap of faith and he's going through his mind and they keep yeah. saying, take a leap of faith. Do you remember yeah. this? Yeah, and the music kicks in. Throw away scene where glass shatters. Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah. It is such a quick cut. And that glass shatters is the moment he becomes a hero because his fear is keeping him stuck to the glass outside. It's a skyscraper. And he pushes himself off mm -hmm. and he breaks that glass because his fear is stuck to it. But he pushes himself off with such force. He overcomes his fear. Yeah. That glass breaks. And that, in that moment of just showing the shattered glass in slow motion, maybe two seconds of that, that is the moment he became a hero. I, and the music kicks in. It's killer at that point. In. Yeah, but that's the moment he he couldn't let go, but he pushed so hard that glass broke. Yeah. He, oh man, yeah. it yeah. is such a good, wonderful moment. And it, I just there's a couple moments in that film that are just like that. Um, also, what's the what's the actor's name who was in Jurassic Park, the newer one, and then now he's the voice of this Peter Parker who's out of shape. Oh, uh, yeah, he was on New Girl. Yeah, he's great. He, I, whenever I heard he was being cast in this, I was like, oh no. Do you know what he did? So good. He, he um, during the pandemic, he, uh, on his Instagram, I forget how he did it, but he was allowing people to like leave their phone number so Spider-Man could call their kids. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's like, he manages that Spider-Man, you know what I mean? It's so cool. It's like, that's the stuff that like uh, I like about superheroes is that, you know, you know, my son now is just like, you know, we had to go get Captain America, Black Panther, Iron Man, all the same size figures. So it could go up against this larger Hulk that we have, you know, and uh, I, I like to play, dude. You know, I like um, I forgot, you know, like what it's like to interact with an inanimate object. You know, it's like kind of like, you know, as an adult, like people are like is this guy crazy you know what i mean but come on like it's like why why can't i do this i know their stories you know what i mean and i run with it and uh, the other thing i've been doing like <laughs> i've been reading uh, lots of um stories at night but running it through the instagram filter where it makes my voice real low he laughs at that it's pretty fun we do like finding uh nemo books and stuff like that and he's starting to get into comics but his main character i think is um Surprisingly, I think he's in the cap, Captain America, because like I only had a couple of cat books, but we watched the movie and it's like kind of scary with the Red Skull. Yep. You know, Red Skull is a little scary. <laughs> it's a very, you know, uh, maleficent like villain as compared to some of the other like Loki's fun. By the way, I haven't watched the trailer, I'm not watching trailers no more. I told you that a couple of years ago. Still don't watch trailers, man. I like to be surprised. All right. So like yeah. when WandaVision came on, I was like, what is this? <laughs> Dude, like, where did they go? See, I watched that trailer. They had uh, two trailers before the first episode. And mm -hmm. then on episode four, they had a mid-season episode, which showed clips. Have you watched the trailers now? No. You should go, uh, well, uh, the WandaVision, they, they do a thing with music, I think is clever. Oh, cool. I'll check it out then. Yeah. The, the first one that came out, the first trailer? The second, the mid-season, third and final trailer. I stopped watching trailers when the first Creed trailer came out. And 
the dark night of the soul, which is basically page 75 of the script, the part that you're, you know, looking forward to. They told me in the trailer, Rocky gets some sort of ailment. He's in bed. He looks like he's sick. He's got cancer. Like what, dude? I was so angry because that would have hit so much harder. I'm from Philly. I watched those movies on HBO. You know what I mean? Like, I was so disappointed. I'll never forget. And then, like, I knew the whole movie then. You know, it's like, oh, there's nothing I left. Not, I did not know they did that in the trailer. It did. And that was it. I was done. And then, uh, you know, I still consume stuff. I just consume it differently. Like, I had to watch um, Godzilla versus King Kong in the course of, like, two nights just because, you know, I get what they try to do with that. And I, I enjoy watching Monsters. My son loves it, you know. But I'm looking forward towards more, like, of the shorter I, I think that like we're so consumed with media you know it's just so consumed to tell the story in the format on like disney plus or something like that like it's working you know and like i used to think that i wouldn't want to like do that and then also go to the movies i still want to go to the movies but i still like watching stuff like case in point the mandalorian i was never a star wars fan growing up it just wasn't and it wasn't anything in particular it just didn't resonate with me you know i I play with my friends who had those toys. It didn't bother me as much, but like just didn't, I, I, I couldn't go to space, but anytime I wanted to get into the dirt with the incredible Hulk, I could do it or, you know, make believe that Spidey could climb up the glass wall in my house. You know what I mean? But then with the Mandalorian, you know, we start watching it together, Tyler and I, and we both fell in love with it. It's basically a father son story in a way, but like, I get it then. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's good storytelling and it's like short 38 minutes, like sweet. The story's, packed in there there's no boring parts films today there's a lot of boring parts a lot of exposition a lot of like let's you know i've uh, kind of just been studying for like the last year and haven't written anything just because i had realized like i got to do something different if i'm ever going to you know get to where i want to go and make something like everything's been done and you have to be fresh and original and that's exciting some people balk at it you know what i mean being like oh it's there's nothing left to make. There's a lot of films left to make, you know, there's a lot of interesting ideas out there and we just, you know, couldn't see them before. And I think now with like these streaming services, we might get them. There, there's so much content right now that not everything can be good. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of enjoyable stuff and there's a lot of mediocre stuff. And I don't know where we're headed. It's, it's fun and it's exciting. I, Streaming doesn't pay residuals. It doesn't pay a back end. You know, stars used mm -hmm. to come and do movie and they'd get a piece of the back end. And that's how Jack Nicholson made 75 million for the yeah. Batman. Uh, streaming doesn't offer that. So whenever they have a budget on a Netflix and it's a hundred million, that hundred million is not going to make it onto the screen. Now, is this like why is this LG? Well, like, is it because of the um, SAG agreement with streaming services? Like, what what's going on there? Like, why can't you get a back end on like uh, a show like uh, The Mandalorian? Because the so this is my view, and I absolutely could be wrong. But a movie when it goes to theaters, it's going to generate money, right? Then it's going to go to DVD, then it's going to go to streaming, and then HBO. So you have four different places I just named. Mm -hmm. where it's going to make all new money. Once it goes to Netflix, it's never going to generate DVD sales. It's not going to generate HBO. It's not going to generate playing on network for the first time. 
it's stuck in one place. And so there's no revenue stream for it to make a, uh, Jack Nicholson, I think, whenever Batman made 200 million, then he got a piece of every dollar after a certain amount. Yeah, and it's crazy. Yeah, so they call that back end, if I understand this right. Netflix doesn't have back ends. Whatever they pay is what they're going to. Now, they, you do get pay, res, paid residuals, but on streaming, it's different than it is on network television. It's different mm. than it is on cable. And streaming just kind of snuck up on everybody very quickly and very slowly at the same time. The union saw this coming, but you were also kind, it was hard to negotiate this position. Wow. I just listened to a podcast with uh, Ted Sarandos, uh, Smartless, Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. I love it. Yeah. I listen to it every week. It's like therapy. They just cut, cut each other up. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was just saying, basically, you know, we started off mailing DVDs, man. We didn't think, you know, this would go the way, you know, it went. And he goes into the story about, you know, how, you know, House of Cards was their first show, but their real first show was Longmire. And Longmire, they, they, um, they filmed the, like, he pitched it to him. Uh, Stevie Van Zandt pitched it to Ted. Ted was like, cool, can't wait to see. He's like, it's already done. I'm going to send it to you, you know? So he sent it to him. They made a deal. And then Stevie Van Zandt was so mad at Ted for releasing it all at once because nobody had ever done that before. They spent a year in their life and then it all came out one day. You know what I mean? Like they didn't reap the benefits of like, you know, week to week serialization. I kind of like both. Some stories play better week to week, but then I feel some stories play better binge. I enjoy uh, the, the camaraderie of week to week we can share and it's we're experiencing something in real time wandavision uh landed at a time where i was just really pandemic sad mm. so i was looking forward to it i would wake up at four in the morning and i would press play yeah. and i would just have the time of my life and then it was fun just going back and forth the mandalorian i had never seen an episode and then twitter was blowing up people said season two last episode watch it before it's spoiled so that's where i started i was blown away that's so was i that, so was i experience something all together to talk about for a week versus watching it all on a weekend and then you're looking for something different yeah. i just you know that's what i grew up on is weekly shows there is a room and place for both. I agree exactly what you're saying, but there's, there's so much fun to Twitter and share and read everything with everybody at the same time. Some shows don't have great mystery boxes, you know, like some just don't, you know what I mean? Like um, I won't name any of them just because, but I mean like some, there's nothing left in that episode to reveal next week. You know what I mean? Like it's, I guess it's a form of writing in a way, but I mean, I, I, I do enjoy the week to week format, especially with, um, I mean, like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I just love the fact that Marvel's just going to have these shows coming out. One, like Loki comes out after this, and it's just awesome. It's like, and I don't mind that that's week to week at all because I like to speculate too, as well, you know. And I'm excited to see if Black Widow finally comes out, you know, like I can't wait to see, uh, what's his name? David Hart or, um, oh, yes. Um, he's totally. Lily, yeah. It's, it's going to be great. I mean, like, he's a fantastic actor. He was doing, like, a bunch of pandemic live things, and he's a very interesting uh, person indeed. 
Um, we're almost out of time, LG, because we only get 60 minutes on some of the platforms I'm on. But without a doubt, we're going to have to have you back, you know, because we, you know, this was easy. This was 60 minutes of just fun. Um, not everybody's into the same stuff. So, I mean, totally stoked to have you back. Um, continue to talk more. Um, are you still like you're, you're out there right now? Are you still going to pursue acting once uh, everything goes back to normal? I have been pursuing acting uh, since things started filming. There's not a lot of stuff filming. Right before the pandemic, I shot an episode of Animal Kingdom. And then two weeks later, everything stopped. Uh, I've auditioned for a lot of stuff in the last six months. And then some productions don't even get to filming. They shut down. Yeah. But there's some things that are up and running. So I am auditioning, just haven't hit that moment yet, that break where they say, hey, you're the right person for this. Well, we're going to channel the energy and we're going to send it to the Marvel Studio executives. So we're going to say, yo, the story. What if we just pull LG from the woodwork and bring him out and put him into this this feature? I mean, there's that's the power of uh, your imagination. Anything's possible. As we always would say, um, you know, you just got to keep going. And the best way to say that is, what do we used to end our emails with, LG? Uh, onward and upward. That's correct. My name is Bob, and this has been another episode of Bobcast. <laughs>